The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. I want to share a photo that I snapped in Jerusalem's Jewish Quarter. It's a picture of a piece of artwork that I saw in a shop window. When I took this photo, Israel was going through a war with Gaza. From January to August of 2014, more than 4,000 rockets and mortars were rained down on Israel from Gaza. The painting depicts the deadly missiles being absorbed by a prayer book, the Book of Psalms, Tehillim in Hebrew, meaning songs of praise. I was absolutely arrested by this artwork because it was, to me, profound. Even though Israel has a sophisticated missile defense system called the Iron Dome that's designed to intercept short-range rockets, this piece of artwork was a picture worth a thousand words. For sure, the real Iron Dome is God and His Word. But the painting illustrates the power of prayer. The Jewish people are accustomed to using the Psalms when they pray. And every Orthodox Jew has a well-worn book of Psalms. When a Jewish person is seriously ill, it's customary for their friends and relatives to recite Psalms on their behalf. In Israel, all 150 of the Psalms will be apportioned to various people to read in order to ensure that every Psalm is recited on behalf of the person or situation. For example, in 2014, when three teenage boys were kidnapped by Hamas terrorists, Jewish people all over the world recited Psalms, particularly Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Also, they recited Psalm 130 with its cry, From the depths I call to God. In such a crisis, the Psalms implore God for help. They give us the sense that we're doing something positive instead of standing around doing nothing and waiting in a situation where we would seem otherwise helpless. And the reciting of Psalms definitely helps to undergird the stricken families. Well, observant Jews recite Psalm 104 in its entirety every day and on certain occasions. It's a beautiful psalm, and it contains one of my favorite verses, verse 4. He makes his messengers flames of fire. On the Hebrew calendar at the beginning of the new moon, called Rosh Chodesh, which is the start of a new month, Psalm 104 is also read. Besides these many formal occasions, many Jewish people will simply read a psalm that resonates with them as to how they're feeling at any given time. And it's been said that the 150 psalms in the Bible cover the whole range of emotions from joy and exultation to sadness and brokenness, from praise to perplexity, from longing for God's presence to grief and dismay at His absence. 
In the New Testament, believers are commanded to use the Psalms in our worship. Did you know that? But tragically, too many of our contemporary worship songs sound shallow and even sophomoric by comparison. For example, in Ephesians 5.19 in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul admonished believers to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He also said the same thing in Colossians 3.16, that we should teach and admonish one another with psalms. Furthermore, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in James 5.13, Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. So the psalms are important on a number of levels, including the fact that they confirm the Messiahship of Jesus. Because Jesus said in Luke 24:44 that all things must be fulfilled that were written concerning him in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and also in the psalms. So Jesus, Yeshua is his Hebrew name, gave his disciples the greatest Bible study to help them to comprehend the scriptures. He explained what the Messianic Psalms actually prophesied about him and his passion. Gratefully, I can say that the Psalms express every emotion known to man expressed in beautiful and inspired terms, joy, anger, praise, repentance, trust, even our uncertainties. The Psalms are our prayer book, our hymnal and guide of correct speech for righteous living before God. I'm firmly of the belief that the age of miracles hasn't ceased and God is still in the business of performing miracles for all who will believe. Yet so many people have been taught, and unfortunately even in the churches, that faith for miracles is somehow presumptuous, and that's a shame. I believe an atmosphere of faith has to be created for healing and miracles to manifest, and reciting psalms, stirring up the gift of God, is part of the dynamic of increasing our faith. You see, prayer, in a sense, is holy audacity. I believe holy audacity is imparted to us when we read the psalms. We have to learn to get over our fears. We have to get over our insecurities and hang-ups and learn to pray audaciously to God for our needs, for His divine intervention, and even for miracles, of course. We easily identify with the words of the Psalms because the Holy Spirit inspired King David and other Psalm writers to write not just prayers for the Jewish people, but for all God-seekers everywhere in time. Each and every one of us fights daily battles against evil inclinations, and all our trials in this life are described in the Psalms in one way or the other. The Psalms also contain all sorts of advice for a successful living. They admonish us to hope in God, to be strong, and to take heart. The Psalms are a great prescription and antidote against discouragement and depression. If you're suffering from depression, my advice is to read Psalm 42. And verse 11 addresses a person's soul and emotions. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? 
and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. So you see, Psalm 42 is such a therapeutic psalm. The way to forget our miseries is to remember and extol and magnify the Lord's mercies. In Genesis 2, 7, the Bible says that man became a living soul when God created him. And in my estimation, the Aramaic translation is much better because it says man became a speaking spirit. I love that. A speaking spirit. That's what you and I are, and that really preaches. You see, speaking your faith out loud by praying the Psalms sounds precious and pleasing to God. This is because he made us human beings, unlike all the other creatures, to be able to speak. And so he enjoys hearing faith coming out of our mouths for a change because he hears too much doubt and unbelief all the time all over the world. So when the Lord hears a rare, solitary voice of faith rising up in the earth, we've suddenly got his attention. In fact, a speaking spirit who speaks faith is so rare that God marvels when he hears genuine faith. Think of the rare times in the New Testament when Jesus marveled at the faith of a man, a centurion. And he also marveled at the bold chutzpah, the raw nerve, the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus marveled when the centurion sought a healing miracle for his servant because the centurion had the level of faith to say to Jesus, just speak the word. You don't have to take time to come to my house to lay your hands on the servant. Just speak the word and my servant shall be healed. When Jesus heard that level of faith, he was astonished and he said to those around him, I tell you the truth, I haven't found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Wouldn't you love to hear the Lord say that about you? I would. Well, because of the power of speech, the rabbis teach that a person mustn't express any evil thought out loud. The spoken word is so powerful it can do permanent damage. A rabbi I know in Jerusalem who teaches weekly Bible studies is always very careful with his manner of speech. I notice that he goes to great pains to express his thoughts in a positive way rather than speaking negatively or carelessly. It's an admirable trait and a discipline to be emulated. Many Christians would do well to learn this lesson because Jesus said we're going to have to give an account of every careless, idle word that we've ever spoken. So why do the Jews recite psalms? In Jerusalem, it's a common thing to see a religious person somehow managing to read a psalm book while walking down the street. For them, not a moment is to be wasted. They do it because of Hosea 14.3, which says, Take words with you and return to God. The Jewish people believe the gates of prayer are opened by reading the Psalms. Well, the book of Psalms is certainly a powerful, anointed book in the Bible. A psalm a day is good for my mental and spiritual health. 
no matter who you are and what your situation is, the words of the Psalms will speak volumes to your heart. A famous rabbi once said that if we'll only know the power of the Psalms, we'll constantly recite them. Some Jewish people recite Psalms, as I said, according to a weekly cycle, while others follow a monthly cycle. And if you search the internet, you can find a link that will help you to read the daily Psalms in tandem with the Jewish people. But I also need to make a, an important disclaimer here. While I believe reciting Psalms is a great source of strength and comfort in a person's spiritual life, we mustn't regard the Psalms like magic. You say, Christine, what do you mean by that? Well, here's an example. Psalm 27 apparently mentions God's name 13 times. So some rabbis teach that if you will recite Psalm 27, it will protect you from an evil decree by the heavenly court on the day of atonement. But the word of God must never be treated as a talisman. Instead, what we need is a direct relationship, a living relationship with God, and Jesus the Messiah makes that possible because he is the one mediator between God and man. Many of the Psalms were written in the style of petition to help us to pray. The Psalms verbalize our innermost emotions and needs. And Jesus set the example for us in this. He quoted the Psalms as prayers, even from the cross. When he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was directly quoting Psalm 22.1. As he died, Jesus had the presence of mind to recite Psalm 31.5 to his father. He prayed, into thy hands I commit my spirit. So Jesus chose to use the Psalms to express his deepest feelings. And this we can do also. For example, sometimes I absolutely despair at the state of the world at the persecution that's going on against Christians, and the hate-filled anti-Semitism that's growing, the lies, the strong delusion, and the way the world is headed. And I find myself often quoting Psalm 2 against the liars, the truce breakers, and troublemakers who think that they're going to get away with everything. But Psalm 2 says, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. He'll have these evildoers in derision. Well, the early church also quoted Psalm 2 as a prayer. We see that in Acts chapter 4, where the believers raised their voice to God in one accord, and they said, Lord, by the mouth of your servant David, you have said, Why do the nations rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth and the rulers are gathered against the Lord and against his anointed. But now, Lord, behold their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This prayer was offered by the apostles as a result of persecution and their prayer using Psalm 2 was so powerful that after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This example from the early church teaches us that it's very effective and powerful to use phrases from the Psalms in our prayers, just as the Jewish people still do to this day. It's like when we use the Psalms, we're speaking God's language. But I have to make another important disclaimer. It's a trap to think that we can recite Psalms in a perfunctory manner, somehow to obtain merit and favor with God. We must avoid the danger of what Jesus called vain repetitions. So we should use the Psalms in a heartfelt way and not in a superstitious, repetitive way. And when we incorporate psalms into our prayers, we would do well to remember the protocol of prayer that Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6. The Lord's Prayer was not just a prayer, but more accurately, it was like a template of how to organize a prayer. Because in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said that we are to, number one, address the Father and hallow His name. Secondly, we're to pray for God's purposes. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thirdly, we pray for our material needs. Give us this day our daily bread. And number four, we pray for our spiritual needs. Forgive us our debts even as we forgive our debtors and deliver us from evil. And then the fifth step is that we conclude with praise and thanksgiving. And in the Psalms, we find words to express all of these vital prayer points. I'm certainly not suggesting that prayer should be formalized, but we can certainly use phrases from the Psalms that were inspired by the Holy Spirit to express our deepest emotions and thoughts. Well, the English word Psalm is translated from the Hebrew word mizmor, meaning melody of praise. And the Greek word psalmos, which means to pluck the strings of a musical instrument. The psalms, of course, were originally composed to be accompanied by a string instrument. And David wrote his psalms because he played the harp. We may not know how to play a harp, but that's okay because in New Testament worship, we're instructed to accompany the psalms with our heart. It's interesting that Ephesians 5.19 instructs us to sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. So making melody also comes from the Greek word that means to pluck the strings. So here Paul is saying we're literally to pluck the strings of our heart as we sing praises to the Lord. I think that's beautiful. Well, David's best known psalm is Psalm 23. And so it's sometimes commonly assumed that he wrote all the Psalms, but he didn't. David wrote almost half of the Psalms in the Bible. He wrote at least 73 Psalms. But Moses was the first. He wrote a song in Exodus chapter 15. It's a song of triumph after the Israelites crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground. And his beautiful Psalm 90. That was also written by Moses as a psalm of meditation, reflection, and prayer. In David's day, the sacred lyric obtained to its full maturity. One of David's contemporaries, a psalmist named Asaph, was his music director, and Asaph wrote 12 of the psalms. 
The sons of Korah were Levites who served in the temple. And they also wrote 12 Psalms. A singer named Heman was a contemporary of David and Asaph, and Heman wrote a moving psalm concerning persecution and suffering, Psalm 88. Ethan was also a companion with Asaph and Heman in temple worship. Ethan wrote Psalm 89. His beautiful psalm begins, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known throughout all generations. Two psalms in the Bible are attributed to David's son, King Solomon. Psalm 72 and Psalm 127. But Solomon wrote many more psalms. In fact, the Bible says he wrote a thousand and five psalms, according to 1 Kings chapter 4, and he spoke 3,000 proverbs. But under Solomon's reign, the creation of psalms began to decline. His age was the age of the proverb. The book of Psalms, I found this fascinating, is actually divided into five books, like the Torah is five books. Book one goes from Psalm 1 to Psalm 41. Book two of the Psalms is composed of chapters 42 to 72. Book three contains Psalms 73 to 89. Book four is Psalms 90 to 106. And book five contains Psalm 107 to the last one, 150. A great psalm of praise, one of my favorites. The psalms can also be categorized. For example, the structure of some psalms is alphabetic acrostics. And Psalm 119 is famous for this technique in Hebrew. The Hallelujah Psalms begin or end with the word Hallelujah, praise Yah. In this category, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 103. Historical psalms such as Psalm 106 and Psalm 78 review the history of God's dealings with his people. Then there are certain psalms that theologians call the imprecating psalms. These are psalms of judgment that invoke the wrath of God on his enemies. Examples are Psalm 69 and 109. Some Christians are scandalized by the imprecating psalms because these call down curses. While Jesus admonished us not to be sons of thunder, we're supposed to turn the other cheek and love our enemies. But theologians explain that no personal vindictiveness is involved in the imprecating psalms. These simply help us to pray that God will defeat and judge his spiritual enemies, his intractable foes. The classic psalm about repentance is Psalm 51, which expresses great sorrow for sins. And among the category of the Psalms of Thanksgiving, the best known is Psalm 100. The Messianic Psalms include Psalm 2 and Psalm 22. The Hallel, meaning praise, is a group of psalms from Psalm 113 to 118. These beautiful psalms are, are recited as a unit in synagogues on joyous occasions and on Jewish holidays when the praise of God is particularly appropriate 
such as the three major festivals of the Lord. What's so amazing is that there's a new movement of Jews and Christians who had begun to recite the Hallel together as a way of honoring Israel's Independence Day. The purpose of the joint venture is to praise God for fulfilling Bible prophecy and bringing home the Jewish people and reestablishing the state of Israel as God said and promised he would do in the last days. Israel's rabbi Shlomo Riskin and David Nekrutman, the executive director of the Center for Jewish Christian Understanding and Cooperation, have been very brave to pioneer this global movement. They're bringing believers together to recite these psalms of praise on Israel's Independence Day together. Well, I'm here to also tell you that you can have opportunities to, write, to recite psalms together with the Jewish people in these last days by visiting the nation of Israel. I always say, do what you have to do. Get your passport ready, sell your junk on eBay, hold a yard sale, but just raise funds for a trip so you can be privileged to walk where Jesus walked. And when you visit, the Bible will come alive for you. The Psalms of Ascent are psalms to be especially sung or recited by pilgrims on the way up to Jerusalem. And the Psalms of Ascent are another group. And they are grouped together beginning with Psalm 120 to 134. My favorite of the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 122. And it's always a great honor to read this Psalm on location. It says, I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And verse 6 is a command. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. May there be peace within your walls and security within your palaces and citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, Peace, shalom, be within you. Amen. Well, we invite you to come up to Jerusalem with us, and then you yourself can fulfill Psalm 122 by standing within these gates. It's a very exciting spiritual thing to do, to be a pilgrim to the Holy Land, at least once in your life. So come on. The Lord wants to show you His land and introduce you to His people. In the meantime, let me ask you, do you have a favorite psalm? I'd be delighted if you contact me on the social media to share your favorite psalm with me. The psalms are such an important part of my life, and I hope of yours also. It's hard to say which one is my favorite, although I'm partial to Psalm 20 and also Psalm 84. But the psalms, as powerful as they are, can't save you by reading them. Only the Savior can save you. So I implore you, be sure that you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus for salvation because time is running out and he will soon return as the judge of the whole earth. Well, at our website, exploits.tv, we have many other videos for you on a variety of topics, including healing, Israel and Bible prophecy, the rapture, and the second coming of Jesus. And so until next time, earnestly contending for the faith and praying always for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darg. 
Shalom. Here at the Jerusalem Channel, we have a great love for Israel and all its people. That's why whenever someone needs urgent medical attention, more than 13,000 volunteer aid workers are on standby to help. And we want to help also. Israel's National Emergency Service is always ready to rush to the scene of anything, from a car accident to a sudden sickness to a terrorist attack. Magen Davida Dome uses the most modern ambulances and special medicycles to reach those who need urgent help. Thanks to your support of the Jerusalem Channel, we donated one of these remarkable life-saving units, which was critical in a recent terrorist incident. Here's a short report about the aftermath of that attack. Chaos. Pain. Lama. It's chaos. It's absolute chaos. People screaming everywhere. There's blood. לקח לי להגיע מזמן הקריאה עד שהגעתי לזירה שלי משהו כמו ארבע וחצי חמש דקות. We overheard on the radio that there was a stabbing and it was our call so the driver puts on the sirens and the lights and we rush. From the second I get into the Monit my phone starts buzzing with notifications and I say to the cab driver you know the fastest you can like you're an ambulance to job. So we get there and the first thing I notice is that there are maybe five to ten police cars and it's chaos. It's absolute chaos. We get to the scene and it's just, we don't even know where to start. There are people screaming everywhere. There's blood. נכנסתי לכיכר של השעון, היה הומה אדם וצעקות היה help me בעברית, באנגלית. הגיע עוד חובש עם אופנה, הוא טיפל בפצוע, אני טיפלתי בפצוע. שכבה בחורה עם... פגיעה מאוד משמעותית בבטן, מי שיחזיק על הפצע ביגוד, באתי, חבשתי אותה עם שתי תחבושת אישיות, נתתי לה חמצן, עוד חובש עם אופנוע הצטרף אליי, פתחנו לה ביד. מה היא הייתה אישה צעירה בת 32 בהריון מתקדם, היא לא אזרחית ישראלית, היא אני חושב אמריקאית. היה שם חושך, סובבתי את האופנוע לכיוון שלה על מנת שיהיה לה טיפול יעיל. 
שהשיעורים המחבל נכון לרגע זה לא נפסק לבנות את המגזרים בהמשך ביצענו סריקות, אני ועוד שני אופנועים, ביצענו סריקות לכיוון צפון וחזרה לכיוון דרום לוודא שאין יותר פצועים בזירה. בשלב זה דיווחת שחמישה פצועים פצועים. שימו לב כל הכוחות שבדרכם לנמל יפו, יכול להיות שיש מפגרי המוסף. כולם שכפצים בבקשה. כולכם מתמגנים עם שכפצים ומחכים למתמגנים. מוקד הכוננים פה מאחוריי מפעיל בשגרה כ-150 אופנועים בכל זמן נתון, הוא המוקד המפעיל שלהם. בזמן האירוע בטיילת ביפו. שלושה אופנועים שהגיעו מהר מאוד לשלוש זירות שונות יצרו תמונת מצב שהועברה מיידית ממוקד הכוננים פה למוקד הארצי פה לידינו ביחד נוצרה תמונת מצב כלל ארצית שהועברה למפקדים בשטח כך יכלו לשגר את האמבולנסים לזירות השונות ולבצע פינוי מהר מאוד של הנפגעים הדחופים לבתי החולים המתאימים. השילוב בין ההון האנושי לאמצעים הטכנולוגיים שפותחו לאחרונה במגן דוד אדום הם שילוב מנצח, הם שילוב שהביאו למעשה את היכולת הגבוהה של מגן דוד אדום לתת מענה לכל אירוע ולכל תרחיש, הן במדינת ישראל והן מחוץ אליו. מדינת ישראל זקוקה למגן דוד אדום חזק. בזכות האופנוע הצלחתי להציל את האישה הזאתי ואני אומר את זה בוודאות. אם לא היה אופנועים אתמול בזירה, היינו גומרים את האירוע הזה בלפחות שלוש הרוגים. איך שהגעתי ליפו העתיקה, נתקלתי בפצועה קשה והגשתי לטיפול מציל חיים. תוך מעט מאוד זמן הגיע צוות ניידת טיפול נמרץ של מד"א ופינה אותה לבית החולים יחילוב. לפי מיטב הבנתי היא חיה, הצלתם אותה. Right now, we're raising money to provide Israel's emergency services with a brand new, fully equipped ambulance. This will join the fleet that brings life-saving aid to everyone in the country, Jews, Christians, Arabs, tourists, and pilgrims. Thanks for being a part of our ministry. You can donate through our website at exploits.tv.